0: Welcome to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. It's a bit of a gloomy day here in Massachusetts, the kind of day where I guess you could sit inside and listen to the radio or listen to a radio program like this one. Um, But on a positive note is November 12th, which is very exciting for me because November 1 has come and gone. My students have all hit their deadlines. Uh, Life is considerably less stressful, again, for me. Maybe not for you, but for me. Um, Today, you know, with the November 1 deadlines behind them, I know that there are a lot of students and parents, because I'm talking to them, who are wondering what they should do now that the applications are in. Should they be sitting back and just kind of relaxing? Should they be really stressing out while they wait for an answer? That's probably not a good way to, to handle things. Should they be peppering the admissions offices with emails and phone calls to determine if applications have been received and tell them again and again that they're interested Um So later on the show today, we're going to talk about what to do in the aftermath of early action and early decision and kind of going over the best use of time now that some of those applications are in. We're also going to talk about what happens on the college finance front after the early action and early decision deadlines. Uh, So that, again, will be later in the show. But first... I want to talk directly to those people who are probably more stressed out than anyone right now, and that is those of you who haven't done one thing yet related to your college applications. Uh, That may not be anyone who's currently listening because you guys are probably on top of it, but I may be speaking to a handful of people out there. Um, But you are in luck because my first guest, former Yale admissions officer and current college coach expert, Amy Alexander, and I are going to go through the steps that you can take now through to the end of the year to sort of get on track if you're not there already and get those applications in. Hi, Amy. Hello,
1: Beth. How
3: are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks. And thanks for joining me today. And I know that we have a lot of things to cover because there actually are quite a few steps to take. So, um, Uh, The first thing I think that I I do want to say is that if you haven't done anything yet, believe it or not, you are not alone. It may may feel like everybody else already has all of their applications written and done, and certainly there are plenty of people who hit those early deadlines. I would say that that is not the majority of people who are applying to college, and every year we do have people who sign up in November and sometimes even December and really haven't done anything. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so... We've certainly dealt with this before. So, if you had a family came into your office today and they hadn't done a thing, where where would you start with them?
3: Well, the first thing I would tell students because I'm sure they would be stressed, oh, as you said in your intro, but I would want to tell them if they started now, they have about 7 weeks till the regular decision deadline. Now, that's not a lot of time, but it is doable. It's plenty right. of time if they're really organized. And they take all of, you know, my advice and kind of go through these steps. I have about nine steps that I think students have to do. And some are going to be greater priorities than others, depending, and we'll go through that. But I think if they just go along and they organize themselves, it's very doable. The other thing I do want to mention before I bring up the nine steps is, some of these students can consider rolling admission schools or open enrollment option schools. Those often don't have a set deadline, and they often make decisions well into the spring uh, for the incoming freshman class. Um, applying earlier is always you know, typically beneficial, but they really do make decisions through to the late spring and summer. A great resource is something called bestcolleges.com, and it has a listing of the top 50 open enrollment options. So students can go to that, and there are going to be colleges for them. Also, students can consider in-state options, you know, that often have later deadlines than the regular decision deadlines. So those are other ways students that maybe think they can't get, excuse me, get it all done in the next seven weeks will have other options. And it's not Got like, it. oh, I won't be going to college. But right, the nine of course steps, not. Let me just tell you what the nine steps are, and then we'll break it down and go through each of them. But to me, okay. this is what you have to focus on if you're starting now. You have to, first of all, find and create a list of schools to which you're going to apply. Then you need to go in online and conduct virtual visits. Then you need to check the criteria and the ranges and see if they're realistic options so you don't waste your time. Then you need to also check deadlines and requirements for each of them. What kind of testing, essays, recommendations do they require? What application do they offer? The Common App or an application on their website where you have to create an account. Essays, do they they require essays? Do they require supplemental essays? Um, Meeting with your high school guidance counselor to learn what you have to do in terms of the high school process. The testing and setting up testing, and I'll go through all of that later, um, and also recommendation letters. Do they require recommendation letters, and if so, from whom? And then the last and probably least important is an activities list or resume. Uh, so those are the nine steps. It's very doable um, if you break yep. it down and do one at a time.
0: Well, and you may have to do a few at the same time, but at least I think yes. if you know what you're doing and you can start checking things off a list, I think that would be helpful. All right, so let's start where I'm assuming since you started with the list, that's where you want to dig in a little bit more deeply. So let's talk about the list. What,
2: you know, okay. what do you?
0: What's your advice if you you haven't looked at a college yet and you don't have any in mind?
3: Okay. So what I would do
0: you, you know if you have hopefully you have access to a
3: computer if not at home in your school you can use a computer and if so, you can go on um, there's six really great websites or resources that you can use. One is uh, the Naviance Educational Software. If your high school uses it, a lot of students don't utilize it enough and it's a wonderful resource. It's something that uh, you can do a search based on various criteria. You can play with it. You can put in an academic area of interest, a sport or a club or geography, uh, size, and that's a great starting place if your high school offers that. Something similar uh, is collegeboard.org. They have a search engine where you can use filters to narrow down your search. Uh, a few others that I find very helpful and I use just to mix things up depending on what you need, CAPEX, C-A-P-P-E-X.com, great place to find colleges and scholarships. .com, also to find colleges. Unigo, U-N-I-G-O dot com, great for college search statistics, and reviews. Um, and then the last one, which I find really helpful, and I've been using more and more, is something called College Navigator. It's, it's nces.ed.gov slash college navigator. It's the National Center for Educational Statistics, where a student can build a list of schools based on criteria. All of these are a little different, but they're all really, really helpful, and some students have more of an affinity for one over another. If you can't get on a website, you want to go the old-fashioned route, which your guidance counseling office probably has, or you can find them in a bookstore, is the old-fashioned book form. Three books I love to use and I always go to are the Princeton Review Best 380 Colleges, the Fisk Guide to Colleges, and the Insider's Guide to the Colleges. All of those. That's my favorite. Yeah, they're great because that one's actual students reviewing them. You get real feedback from students. And at this stage, you're going to do your research, but it's really, you know, you want to get a little more meat, too, because you've got to actually figure out if it's going to meet all of your priorities for your college experience.
0: Exactly. Okay. So those are some awesome resources, some of which I didn't even know. So I will be marking those down and using those. (laughs) So you've gone on, you've done your research. Um, You mentioned virtual visits. What's that about?
3: Yeah. So I think that's really, really important that a student goes and does virtual visits. Unless, of course, they're real close by. Some of those maybe in-state campuses or campuses that you find you didn't realize that are close by. If you can get to a visit you know, that would be wonderful, even if it's a Sunday and all the students are in the library or if it's, you know, when, uh, during a break, maybe Thanksgiving or a holiday break. To get on campus would be wonderful. If you can't, though, which probably most students starting now can't, go online mm-hmm. and do a virtual visit. You go onto the college's website, click on their admissions tab, and they often provide videos. Some of them are admissions-oriented, so they'll have wonderful marketing, you know, graphics, mm-hmm. but some of them are student and you can look at what students are saying. And then there's also various blogs that they offer Then you can dive in and go into specific academic area departments, or if you're interested in sport or a specific extracurricular activity, you can dive into those. There's even contacts, you know, that club president or, a, you know, intramural team sport captain, and you can write them. You can email and inquire and ask them questions, and they will email back. Um, So I think going on and doing a virtual visit, even a short one, will help you narrow your list because you have to spend some time as you're doing this research and as you're doing your virtual visits, what I call developing your criteria, meaning think about location, urban, suburban, rural, academic offerings, extracurricular interests, makeup of student body, setting, size, small, medium, large, extra-large. Graduation rate, retention rate, diversity, campus culture, what are your deal breakers versus your preferences, but of course being open-minded because it is a little bit late in the process. So you need to do that as you're doing the developing the list and doing the virtual visits to really help you hone your final list.
0: Right. So those three things really kind of go together, right? You're doing them all at once, but yeah. you need to be taking those steps. And ideally at the end of that, you will have a list of schools that, you know, you think make sense for you. And then uh, next step in your in your nine-step program is, well, let's take a look at when you have to get your application in and what you actually have to do as part of your application.
3: Exactly. One last thing I want you to mention is, you know, to finalize that list, you know, is that going on to the, you're on the admissions site already, what are the ranges of the GPAs? What are the ranges of test scores? If you've taken tests, if not, we'll get into the testing in a minute. But, you know, what are all the ranges? Does it make sense to help you hone that list and and have it be realistic? fine to have one or two reach schools, but at this point, you really want to have a lot of targets and safer, no-problem schools as well. So that's an important step. But then also what you're checking as you're going on, and you can do all of this simultaneously, which is great is check the deadlines and the requirements. So, some colleges are going to be January 1st, that's regular decision, some regular decisions not until February 15th or even March 1st and like I said with the rolling or the open enrollment options, those are much later even in the spring you can set... There's no set deadline. The requirements are going to usually be do they require a standardized test, meaning SAT or ACT or SAT two subject test. Do they have a writing requirement, a personal statement or a specific essay topic? If it's on the common application, that would be great because the the less you have to do and write would be wonderful. Um, So you want to see if they have any kind of essay or writing requirements. And then also, do they require a recommendation? Mm -hmm. Some colleges will require one, two recommendations, allow one or two more, or they don't require any. And if that's the case... And you can save some time with that as well. Um, So those are really important things. So if you want, we can talk about the testing, the essays, and the recommendations.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Although before we do that, I... um... I did want to talk about one item on your nine step, and I may be getting you a little out of order here, but I do think it's a really important step to take probably today, and that is you need to get in to see your guidance counselor and figure out yes. what the school requires, right? So um, what are some tips and, and why is that important?
3: Yes, yeah, that's a great thing to bring up even before the requirements because you want to get that done now, and that's a really good point, Beth, because you don't want to wait and do that too late. Some high schools actually have a set protocol. Actually, most do because they're so busy taking care of all of these different pieces of the puzzle. So you want to get in today, like you said, and find out what do I have to do in order to apply to colleges. I've done my research now. I have a list of eight schools or 10 schools. What do I need to do? Some high schools will give you either a paper or cardboard form, or they'll give you an online access and have Mm -hmm. you fill out the names of colleges, the deadlines, what's required, meaning uh, recommendations from guidance counselors or teachers, so the guidance counselor can be part of that. So that's something very important that they have to then process at the high school, and it could take a number of weeks to actually Mm -hmm. do this. So that's important to get in and and get that done now. Um, You often have to get approval. From the guidance counselor and signature, maybe a signature from a parent. So all of these things need to happen probably before you start doing the other actual application. So yeah, that's a exactly. really really good okay. point.
0: So then um, let's go back to the other pieces that you were talking about the the essays, the testing, the recommendation letters. How do you get started on that stuff? Yeah, so that's,
3: you know, that's something that a lot of students, you know, as you said, we just finished working with a lot of our students who applied early action or early decision. And I had a few students that came to me the middle of October, so really two weeks before the deadline, and they were just blocked. They just didn't know what to write on their essay and just didn't know how to start. So for me, you know, again, first of all, I'll go back to the topic. If there's a, if there, The number of your applications that are on the Common Application, which is that one main application that just about 600 colleges are members of, you have five prompts that they offer you. You choose one. You write 250 to 650 words. If you are also applying to one or two or three colleges that are not on the Common App, look at their applications. See what their essay or their personal statement or writing requirements are. If you can combine it and make it only one topic, pick that one um, and try to do as little as possible because you, you don't have a lot of time. In terms of starting your essay, what I would do is, you know, just don't stress about it. Sit around at the dinner table and ask your family, like, okay, I'm thinking about writing about this topic. Do you have any ideas or tell me a little bit more about me or, you know... Break it down to make it easier for yourself. Write an outline. Don't sit and just say, now I have to write my college essay. Right. I've got to get this you know, Do an Break
0: outline. It. I love that yeah. advice. I wish more people small, would do it.
3: <laughs> small, manageable stuff. Hey, when I write a blog or I write a letter to my daughter who's at college, I sometimes think, well, I want to tell her this. I want to tell her that, oh, it's jumbled and scattered. No, I will sit and say, well, I want to cover these five points, which makes sense to talk about first. What's the most right. important point I want to get across? Well, that's my thesis. That's my main one. What's a great story I want to tell the admissions office? Oh, okay, maybe that'll be my my grabber in the beginning. Um, Break it down and make it easy for yourself. Um, Also, another thing I love to do is have a student either record themselves or speak to a grandparent or a best friend and do it out loud. Because it often flows a lot easier and then they can hear themselves and what they're saying. I like that. That works. That's what I want to tell the admissions office.
0: That's a great advice, I like that. All right, so moving on from essays, let's talk a little bit about testing because if you haven't done any testing yet, this is another thing that you might wanna actually get on top of, like today, at least to yeah. get yourself registered. So what are those pieces? Yeah,
3: so in terms of testing, this is very, very important. And you can do this while you're doing your research. You don't have to do your research, you know, get your, t- get your list and then decide. The testing is something you should look at deadlines today. So for example, if the college does require SAT or ACT, you can decide which one. Uh, they might actually, you know, make a choice for you. But, for example, with the SATs, um, there are the December or January test, possibly even the February test that still is in time to be considered under the regular decision or a rolling or an open uh, enrollment. So, right. the other thing is, students, I do want to throw this out before I forget if a school does not require SATs or they don't have time to take the test, they could consider test-optional schools if they don't have time. And there's a great resource called fairtest.org to learn which colleges are test-optional. Great list and plenty of really good colleges. So they can always go that route or put a few on because they're not sure how they're going to perform, um, you know, signing up for the SAT or ACT now. But if, if you're taking the SAT... The December 5th test, now, there was a registration of November 5th, it passed, but there's a late registration of November 28th. So, if you're willing to pay the $28 late fee, you can still make that test date, and that's in plenty of time for the regular decision. Also, there's the January 23rd test date, and that registration's not till December 28th, so plenty of time. The ACT is offered December 12th. Now that registration deadline of November 6th has passed, but the late registration is November 20th. You still have a week and that's $25 for a late Got date. It. But yeah, there's also a February 6th test with a, a registration of January 8th. So again, once they have, they've already done that research at the deadlines and the requirements, they might be able to use those test dates and they might be able to take it twice, December and January. So yep. you go, that's why you have to look depending on what your colleges are going to require.
0: So we have, like, one more minute. What else okay. uh, do we want to quickly share? Because I think there's okay. been some really good, important stuff.
3: Two quick things. One is the recommendations. Um, again, look to see if the colleges require recommendations. If they do, it's usually from a, one from a guidance counselor and one or more from a teacher. They might also say it could be from a mentor Uh, club advisor. If it's from a teacher, ideally it should come from junior year because that teacher had you for a full year unless there was a teacher that taught you more than once and who knows you well. So if you can't find a teacher from junior year or they're already booked because they already did their early deadlines and they've met the quota, you can choose a senior year teacher who's had you probably for a few months at this point. Better to get one and one you're, you're close to and you're working with. Last quick thing is an activities list or resume, colleges are going to want to know how you spend your time outside the classroom, jobs, activities, service, clubs, experiences, summer experiences. So you can either just create an activities list, which will go on your application, or uh, an activities resume, if you have time. Some students have already done this for a job or internship. You can work from that. Um, Mm -hmm. But some colleges will, will not require it, but will allow and and it will be optional so that's often a nice thing to have to highlight those activities you've done and to really you know help beef up your application
0: amy thank you so much i think there's all kinds of good advice here for those of you who haven't really gotten started on much or any of this i truly appreciate it um up next what what to do now that your early apps are in we'll be right back
4: Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
0: Welcome back, everybody. All right, we are. We just talked about what happens if you haven't done a thing yet, and now we're back to early action and early decision. Uh, so you've submitted those applications, and you're wondering what to do now. Well, my colleague, former Goucher admissions officer and high school college counselor, Lisa Albro, is here to tell us all about it. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Beth. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. And. It's a little gloomy, as I mentioned at the top of the show, but um, otherwise, life is lovely because it is post-November 1, and that's always good um, <laughs> for me, and I'm sure for you, too. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I have, I have students in probably a few different camps right now. They've, they've all submitted applications either by the early action or early decision deadline, and sometimes both, and now some of them have completely disappeared Uh, some are emailing me daily, what do I do now? What should I be doing? And uh, others are emailing occasionally wondering, I've heard that maybe I should be doing this and maybe I should be doing that. So I -hmm. actually hope they're all listening to this so they can hear from somebody else, the things that I've been telling them. But um, I guess, you know, now that those apps are in, Is there anything they should be doing with regards to the schools to which they have already applied? So the schools Mm -hmm. that the application is already into.
5: Yes. And I also have students in all three of those camps as well, so I hope they're also listening. (laughs) Um, Yes. But for for students who've applied early and, and with regard to their early schools, either early action or early decision, it's a good idea just to check and make sure their applications are in. Now, usually once they've applied, if they use the Common App, they can see when things were submitted. They can check on all of that through the Common App. And often, a lot of colleges will send them a bounce-back email or a link to uh, some system that a college has uh, with a, an application networking system or of some sort where they might have a login, a username, and a password where they can go into the university or the college's system and check on items received, too. Uh, Not all schools have these, but a lot of them seem to have them now, more and more, every year, Mm -hmm. I think, or or giving students, you know, applicant ID numbers and and ways to check through their internal systems, whether items are received or not. Um, And and sometimes they do get those notifications saying, we don't have your transcript or we don't have this. We don't have a recommendation letter. We don't have this item. And I do get some panicked calls and emails from students about those sorts of things. And I try to calm them down and say, look, as long as your application is in, your part is in, you're considered an on-time applicant. They give a little bit of a, a grace period for those other items to arrive. But it's still a good idea if you see that they're not in yet, just follow up with the people responsible for getting those out—the teachers, right. the counselors, uh, well, <laughs> the testing centers. To right. See. We know that there's been a lot of a lot of strife with with uh, the sending of the more, most recent SAT and ACT scores, so there, there's a snag there uh, for some students. But the colleges are aware, and so you know there's there's some grace period for that too. Uh, right. So they should check and see that everything's in.
0: And you know, just on that note, I want to add that I actually had a student this week who was checking that and realized that she was missing an essay. And oh. what we discovered was that the school had the supplement was a separate submission from the Common App itself. You know, at a lot of schools, oh. it's one thing and they go together. Um, mm-hmm. At this school, they went separately. It's all fine. Um, her counselor called up the school. Um, she was able to submit it. It was done. It was done by the deadline. It was done well before. The deadline. She got it in. Um, the rest of our application was already in. But um, just something else to throw out there. I probably mm-hmm. sent everyone to the the internet in a panic. Like, oh my goodness, did I forget <laughs> to do that? But um, just it's <laughs> worth double checking. All right. So that's right. that. What about what what other kinds of things can and should students be doing? Well, they might want to reach out if
5: they've made contact with an admissions officer, their their admissions representative. They may just want to reach out with a quick. Uh, you know a, a notification to say, "Hey, I submitted my application just to let you know if they established a bit of a rapport, uh, but you also don't want to inundate your admissions officer with needless mm. emails. you know so so be sparing with those sorts of things. Uh, but if you've made some sort of connection or with a coach or something like that, some coaches of recruited athletes might say, "Tell me when you've submitted your application so I can look out for it." So, right. you know, just follow up with those people if you need to. Those, um, and just,
0: and just, I'm, sorry, just I'm no, I'm sorry, just on that front very quickly, would you say it's a requirement that students reach out to their admissions officers or just a, no. if you've got a relationship, then maybe do it, but otherwise not? Yeah,
5: if you've got a relationship. I really don't think it's a necessity, and especially at the really large schools where they're not, you know, they're, they're juggling so many little data points that they don't really have time to respond so, yep. no, I, I, it's not a necessity, but if they have that relationship and if they have a relationship with somebody at the university or at the college, they, they may just want to reach out with a quick email to say, hey, I, I, I applied. Right,
0: right. Got it. Okay, sorry. Oh, Didn't mean oh. to interrupt.
5: That's okay. No, that's okay. And then, uh, you know, I, I always get questions from students about interviews. Should I schedule an interview? Should I have an interview? Not all schools require interviews. In fact, very few schools require interviews. And I know we've had discussions in the past on the show about interviewing Um if the school requires an interview, very often there will be some uh, outreach from the school about scheduling that interview. Uh, you know, it just had a student apply to Cornell, early decision, got a call about a week after she submitted her application asking her to set up an interview, and so she, she went ahead and, and did that. Um, some schools will do that. Some students just want to get in and have an interview, and if the school offers it, and they're able to schedule it, they can, uh, but if it's not required, if, again, it's not a necessity, but they should look into the language uh, that the admissions office puts out to see if it's something they need to do. And if it's something that's required and they haven't been contacted by the school, they really need to get on that and find out what's happening. Can they sure. can they set up their interview?
0: And, and I think important to note that they should pay attention to what it says on the website because A lot of these schools, if you're doing an alumni interview, you don't call and schedule it. They contact you. And if you don't hear from them in general, that just means nothing about your application but just that there weren't enough interviewers to go around in your area or there weren't any in your area or the ones that they had. There were too many applicants. Mm -hmm. So um, especially when you're talking about alumni interviews, I do think it's important to understand how the school does that. Like at Penn, um, you know, our interviewers contacted students. There was no purpose in them contacting us because that's Mm -hmm. not how it worked. You didn't schedule it. So, um, okay. So what about um, when are students going to hear from schools and, um, you know, should they wait until they hear before they work on any of their other applications?
5: Uh, Question that's, that's, of the hour that's, of the that's day.
0: Stronger, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, first of all,
5: most early decision, early action notifications occur on or about December fifteenth. That's usually when when it happens. But there are a few exceptions out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Any students applying to Saint Joseph's University in Philadelphia usually. We'll see the language says on the website, uh, notification is sometime in January for that school for early action. Um, Mm -hmm. There's another that's a little bit later, Miami, University of Miami, uh, doesn't usually notify until February for early action. So that's that's a little bit different. Most are notifying sometime by mid-December. They'll usually say on or about December 15th and maybe when it's getting a little bit closer to the date, when they have a a good idea of when they can send their letters or we used to call it the drop, drop their letters, or mm-hmm. now it's a lot of it's done on uh, email notification. When they know those are happening, very often they'll put out some sort of communication to applicants. Again, not every school will, but many will say uh, December 12th, we're notifying on December 12th and, and be, you know, look, check your email at 5 p.m. Right. <laughs> or, or what have you. So they mm-hmm. should just, again, look to see what does what that particular admissions office say is the date by which they'll be notified or when should they expect to hear.
0: Right. And sometimes um, they don't tell you that right away and you don't mm-hmm. hear about that until a little bit before it, right? So if it's not mm-hmm. available now, you may be getting an email in a couple of weeks that is going to give you a better sense of when they expect decisions to come out.
5: Mm-hmm. So Right. And just okay. a quick
0: note about those emails, because I,
5: I tend to have a lot of students who Don't check their email because they get Mm -hmm. so much from colleges, from colleges they haven't even applied to. That you know, that their their data is out there from taking SATs, and and they're just they're inundated in their in their inbox. And I'm always telling them, clear it out and set some some modifications so you're only getting the the emails to your inbox immediately in front of you that you need to get from the colleges that you most want to hear from. Don't ignore them because you might miss an important piece of information deadline. if you don't check yeah. those emails. Exactly. Or, deadline, or something like an interview, if it's a possibility. They may get an email saying, hey, you know, do you want an interview? Well, here you know here's who you need to call or click this link to, yep. <laughs> to schedule it or something. And if they're not checking it, they don't know. So, you know, be sure to check your email. Um, and the second part of that question was, you know, sh- should they start working on regular decision applications? Is there any reason to? There's absolutely reason to. There's no guarantee yes. they're getting in.
0: Please, God, work on the rest of your applications. Do not leave them until you hear from your early action, early decision school, because what happens if they say no,
5: right? Oh, my goodness. Yes. And, And look, again, and I have students in different camps with this, too. I have some students who are gung-ho on making sure they've got everything done because in the event that they don't get in, and I'm not saying they're definitely not getting in, that they're denied, or they might be deferred, meaning that their application will be looked at in April or or, in spring. Uh, But if if that's the case, they don't want to have to, in two weeks' time before the January 1st deadline, with the who-knows-how-many schools, let's say it's four or five or six schools that they're applying to by January 1st, Two weeks is not a heck of a lot of time to get all those additional supplemental essays done and, and get those applications polished and out the door in the, the manner that they want them. To, to be. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I usually give my students after they submit their early, their early action, early decision uh, applications around November 1st, November 15th, I give them a little moment to take a breath and I'll say it. Let's take a couple of days. Let's not do anything for a couple of days. Take a breath, do your homework, go see your friends, do what you have to do but I'm going to reach out to you in a couple of days and just make sure we're getting back on track with, with getting some essays done for your regular decision deadlines. And some are very responsive and they do it and some just kind of ignore me. Right. <laughs> so that's right. their choice. Um, but I, I do try to set up a, a schedule for my students of, uh, you know, dates to hit to get a revision or get a draft, get a revision. So at least it's in process. It may not be polished and ready to go out the door by the time they get their decision. And, and hear that they're not in at their early schools. But it, at least it's in process, and that's right. the important thing, that, that they're not all of a sudden, and, and I, I remind my students this too, and it's really important to remember this. You may think, okay, I don't want to spend all this time working on all these things. If, if it's not necessary, if I get in, that's great. I'm, I'll be excited, and, and it won't matter that I've spent hours and hours working on these resumes or on these, on these essays. But if you don't get in, you're usually not in a really good frame of mind Yes, write
0: that's those Yep, And I think <laughs> yeah. to the point, you won't mind that you did all that work. And mm-hmm. now you don't need it because you'll be happy that you got into your early places and, you, you know, so you did some work that you didn't need to do. Well, so what? I mean, I always tell my kids that for whatever reason, the ones who tend to be the most successful in their early action and early decision applications are those who then get everything done for regular decision. And, you know, maybe it's because they take nothing for granted. I don't know what it is, but, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, they tend to be the more successful kids. I don't know why.
5: I agree. I absolutely agree with you. It's, it's true. It's, it's Year after year, my students who've gotten the favorable early decision notifications are the ones who've had everything all done or ready to go or very close to ready to go and haven't had to send it. And so I'll say, okay, we'll, we'll make some nice confetti.
3: Or yep. you, know, you can use it as scrap paper or you know, <laughs>
0: whatever exactly. you to do with it. yeah, It's done exactly. and you don't have to worry about it. And it was extra work that you didn't need to do and everybody survives. Um, just it's peace of mind. Peace exactly. of mind is what I'm really trying to,
5: to sell as, as an idea. And it's easier for parents to understand that, I think, than, just, than for
1: students.
0: And I think you hit on a really, really important piece, which is you're not in a great frame of mind if you don't get into your top choice school in the early round. And at what you know, then you want to sit down and write about how much you're interested or how interested you are in attending a different school. Well, you're totally down on everything right now, and maybe the thing exactly. you're thinking is the last place I want to go is this other school. So you can't do your best work on that writing. And so for me, that's really I, I really lean on that, that you are not going to be in a good place. You know, you're going to be unhappy probably for a couple of days about this at at the very least. And those are going to be two days that you're going to really need to work on this stuff. But if you get it all done, then you know... All you have to do is press the button and submit it and you'll still be, you know, not super happy, but at least you don't have to be unhappy and with a bunch of writing left to do. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we have about another minute. Is there, are there any other things that you want to share or mistakes that you see kids making that you wish they wouldn't or great things that you see people doing that you wish more people would do?
5: Mm-hmm. Well, definitely the mistakes are are leaving leaving those regular decision essays applications for last minute or you know putting too much weight on the, the the spot that they're going to get in and you know the high hopes that they're going to get in early action early decision and not have to send those other applications and then they're scrambling to finish and the quality is not great. Yep. You know, I've I've seen some things in in sort of I call it end stage end-stage writing that it, if they had more time to revise again or maybe revise another time or two after that, it would be great to send to that college that they're looking to apply to regular. But at the point where they, you know, they're, they're ready to send and they have to send because the deadline is upon them, it's not in such great shape and there's no more time to put it in great shape. Yep. <laughs> and so yep. that, that's the biggest mistake I see is that they're, they're, they're they're juggling too many things, they're rushing to get it done, they procrastinated or they put it off too much and, and the, you know, the quality is not great. And so, okay, so now they've already heard maybe or no from their early schools and now they're not putting out great quality work for their regular school. So their chances, are, you know, in, at some of those places may not be great either.
0: Yep, yep, exactly. I think the bottom line here is, the thing to be doing right now is certainly making sure that everything that has been received by the schools you apply to, early decision and early action, but really now is the time to turn your attention to those other applications, make them as good as they can be, put as much time and energy into those applications as you did into the early ones, and then you get everything done by mid-December. You sit back, you see what happens, and you apply as necessary to other places, but you've done the bulk right. of the work by that point. It's like an
5: insurance policy. It's like an insurance policy. We have a lot of new drivers that we work with, right? And you say, you know, you you need to be insured to drive. You you hope you don't have an accident. You don't want to have any accidents, but the insurance policy is what you need. You've got to have it to drive. Give yourself an application insurance policy.
0: Yep, absolutely. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Um, We're going to take a short break. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about what happens on the college finance side uh, after the early action, early decision deadline. So don't go away.
4: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
2: You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation.
0: Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm pleased to introduce, as always, my resident college finance expert, who seems to be here every time I host the show, and that's Lori Peltier. Hi, Lori. How are you?
1: Hi, Beth. I'm fine. Thank you.
0: Great. So we just spent a whole segment talking to Lisa Albro about what students should be doing after they submit their early action and early decision applications. And now you're here to sort of help us understand what happens um, after the early action and early decision in terms of finance, college, you know, financing college. Um, so I guess my first question for you is, um, if you apply early action or early decision, do you actually apply early for financial aid as well? Uh, and what do you do if you're applying by November 1, but the FAFSA form isn't, doesn't come out until January? So how does that work exactly?
1: Okay. Uh, and this is timely, I, ha- I spoke to a gentleman last week whose daughter applied early decision to an Ivy League school, and he asked me, he's like, I'm all set, right? I don't have to do anything till January and file the FAFSA then, and I was having a panic attack, and I <laughs> had to tell him, uh, no, you do have to apply early. Um, so I want to differentiate between early decision and early action, because there is a difference there in the Got financial it. process as well. So for early decision, if you want to qualify for aid or see if you're going to get any money uh, from the federal state or from the college itself, you do have to apply for financial aid early along with your early application for admission. And the way that colleges do that is through typically the CSS profile form because that form becomes available in October of senior year. Uh, so you don't wait until January when the FAFSA form comes out. You can fill out a financial aid form early. A lot of colleges are using the CSS profile form. Some schools will come up with their own application for financial aid that's available on their website to download and fill out and submit to capture your financial data early. And you would receive your financial aid offer with your offer for admission. So how else would you be able to, you know, make a decision or, you know, move forward if you didn't know at that time what your Financial aid package. Part.
0: Absolutely right. So because early decision is binding, and mm-hmm. you are agreeing to attend that institution, no institution is going to expect you to make that, you know, final commitment of depositing mm-hmm. and withdrawing all their, all your other applications until you know what your financial aid package is going to be. Right. So that makes sense. Okay. So, but early action is a little different, right? Because it's not binding.
1: Correct. So early action, it depends on the school. Um, I've seen some schools, uh, for example, Drexel in Philadelphia is one that when you apply early action, they want you to fill out the CSS profile form in November as well and submit that and they will tell you uh, when you're accepted what you're getting for financial aid. Other schools make it optional, where you can do it if you want to, and if you do your application early, they will tell you your financial aid early. Uh, Other schools will say, no, just wait until January with everybody else, and we'll notify you late March, early April what your financial aid package is for early action.
0: Right. And again, with early action, for those of you who maybe are a little less familiar with those terms, it's non-binding, which means you're going to get your answer early, but you don't have to commit to that institution until May 1st. And therefore, if you get your financial aid package in March or April, that's plenty of time for you to understand what they're expecting you to pay and then make a final decision on where you're going to attend. Correct. Um, so what does happen if you apply early decision, you get that financial aid package, you get in, but the financial aid package isn't enough from your perspective. What what options do families have when that happens?
1: Right. And and that's, um, I think the key point here is that it's enough financial aid according to the college's assessment of your family's finances. Mm-hmm. It may not be enough financial aid according to your own assessment of your family's uh, financial right. situation. So. Um, I think that's where the net price calculators are a great um, benefit to those families applying early decision. I would not do early decision without first doing a net price calculator on a college website to get a preliminary idea of what a potential package would look like. Uh, if it's not enough money when you get your package, you do have to go back to the school and explain why you know maybe mm-hmm. your family has excessive medical bills that are not showing up on these applications maybe you had a couple years of unemployment and wiped out your retirement savings uh maybe you have younger children in with special needs or something so mm-hmm. so they you know they're making their decision based on the the basic information on the financial aid application so there may be extra information you can provide but sometimes it's just you know this is what it is and this is what we think you can afford based on your income and assets. And, right. Uh, there, there, there's really no other reason to get out of it. Um, and, and you might know better than I do of how um, if you don't have an appeal situation with specific financial data, how a family could get out of it because of finances.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, two things I would say. The first is I used to travel with, um, well, I traveled with a number of different schools when I worked at Penn, but Georgetown, the Georgetown rep, I distinctly remember during one of the trips that I took saying, this is about financial need, not financial want. And sometimes Mm -hmm. there is a difference between what a college determines you need and what you are hoping and what you want them to give you, right? Those things do not always come together. And their take was, college is a sacrifice, and Uh you likely might have to make some sacrifices in order to send your child here. So that's Uh number one point. Totally agree with what you're saying about the differences there. Um, What I find with schools that offer early decision is that they will release a family from the early decision commitment if the financial aid package is not something that the family says is sustainable. Uh, And essentially, that then releases them entirely. So you don't get to go into the regular decision applicant pool or – have that acceptance waiting for you after you hear from everyone else you either accept it when they offer it or you have to say no and in which case you are no longer accepted to that school and you're done with that institution that year so mm-hmm. You know, I know the advice that you, uh, you guys give is if you really, if finances are a real consideration, you do lose that ability to compare packages if you go in the early decision round and it may wind up where the student gets in but you can't afford to pay and it, what's the point in the end, right? You still can't right. go. So, right. So, exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of how that works. What about, you know, one question that I get a lot and that I have my own take on, but, you know, I'm always telling people, if you if you hear something that starts with, you know, well, I've heard that and, <laughs> well, I would think that. And so this is one of those, I would think that. But, you know, what what about schools that offer merit aid and meaning aid that has nothing to do with your college finances and everything to do with what kind of an applicant you are in that school's applicant pool, do you um, lose the opportunity to get merit aid if you apply
1: in the early round? That's a question we get all the time. Um, and, and one caveat here is a lot of the schools that do early decisions, for example, the Ivy League schools, don't offer merit aid. Yep. So a lot of people who are asking me that question don't even realize that they're applying to schools that don't even have merit aid, so it's a moot point. But for those schools that do offer merit, I think uh, applying early decision does hurt your chances for getting the best merit aid package possible. Because to me, it's like playing poker and showing your cards. You're telling them up front that all you have to do is say yes, and I'm walking in the door. I'm coming. Right. So why would they give you a half-tuition scholarship? On the other hand, for early action, and I, I found this personally with my own children, they applied early action everywhere they could. It was at least 10 schools they applied early action between the two kids, and they got merit aid offers with their early action. Yep. Um, so I, I, think, I think schools still know, especially now, a lot more of the applicant pool is applying early. So they're afraid that if they don't give them merit right off the bat, they're going to go somewhere else. So it's all a ploy to get you to take a second look at their school and possibly attend. I don't think you're jeopardizing it too much with early action, but definitely with early decision.
0: Yeah, I would agree. So good. I'm glad you are corroborating what I tell people, which is that exactly that. And, you know, the other thing to think about with early action is that there are some schools, Boston College comes to mind, where if you want to be considered for merit aid, um, USC out in California is another one. You need to be in the early round or you need to be actually USC doesn't have an early round, but they ask Mm -hmm. you to apply by an earlier deadline. So Nick, scratch that. Sorry, I was wrong, but on Boston (laughs) College, they are very clear. They have a very limited number of merit scholarships, but if you want to be considered for it, you need to be in the early action round at Boston College. So, um, yeah, I would agree. I don't think you hurt your chances at all in early action, but I think in early decision, it's exactly what you're saying. If I know I've already got you because you've already said I'm your top choice, and if Mm -hmm. we admit you, you've already committed to attend, why would I waste Mm -hmm. the money I have to use to lure people to campus? On you. Um, it does seem to be like it wouldn't make sense to do that.
1: Right. What, and what about? I just yep, to, can I just add one other school of that course. I know of you have to apply early in order to get merit is UT Austin. Got it. They so. have a December 1st, I think, deadline um, for their merit aid application.
0: Got it. So, yeah, it is really important to pay attention to not only the application deadlines, but also if college finances are a concern for you or how are you going to pay for it, you have to look at those deadlines as well and make sure you're hitting all of them. And make sure you're you're not counting on merit aid only to find out, oh my goodness, uh, we didn't apply by the early deadline and now we can't even be considered for that. That's mm-hmm. not good. Um, so we have time for one more thing, and that is, you know, what if you do get merit aid? Does that mean that if you get merit aid, you're not going to get financial aid um, or any other kind of aid?
1: No, it does not. You still have the opportunity to receive need-based aid if you qualify. So okay. uh, I'll throw out some quick numbers. Let's say the school costs 60000 and according to the financial aid applications, the school thinks the family can afford $30,000. Um, so that family has $30,000 worth of financial need, but they get $20,000 as a merit aid offer in the first round with their acceptance letter. That family can still apply for need-based aid and receive another $10,000 of financial aid based on their their financial need. So, and, and if you want any student loans, you have to go ahead and fill out the FAFSA form in January. So I would always recommend, even if you've got a scholarship offer, merit aid offer, go ahead and uh, still apply for need-based aid.
0: Got it. That's great advice. Lori, thank you so much. Uh, Thanks to all of my guests today. A few important things before we sign off. Um, First, I have a Black Friday offer that doesn't involve going to the mall or fighting with a stranger over television, Um, but it's still a great deal, and you can access it from the safety and comfort of your own home. Um, So now through November 31st, Are there 30 days, 31 31 days in November? No, 30 days in November? I'm losing it today. Um, We're offering, end of November, we're offering a 10% discount on our comprehensive packages for underclassmen um, who are interested in working with one of our experts. So if you want to learn more, call 877-402-6224. That's 877-402-6224 or 877-40-COACH. Mention that you're a getting in listener. Uh, Next week's show will be about um, whether or not people who won't qualify for financial aid, i.e. wealthy people, uh, should apply for financial aid anyway. Uh, Ian Fisher is going to be hosting, and he's also going to be talking about the pros and cons of uh, whether or not you should or can make friends with your admissions officer, last minute ideas for seniors who haven't yet gotten involved in much outside of the classroom. Um, And as a reminder, our show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website and available for free download from iTunes. And we're also here every Thursday at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific.